Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. This podcast hosts the weekly Sunday service message from Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York, pastored by Kristen Joan Wood. We hope this resource encourages, challenges, and helps you in your journey with God. So whether you're driving, washing dishes, or sitting in your living room, let's prepare our hearts together as we hear the word of the Lord.
Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you would. Uh, we're still in this series all about the one. We're exploring questions, life's great questions about God. And uh, it just seems right and appropriate in our journey to come upon this question because I've had a number of people ask me this. Why did Jesus have to die? What, what is that all about, Chris? You know, it, as, as we move towards Good Friday and Easter Sunday, this question, why did Jesus have to die, is a question that you and I need to be ready to respond to and answer. Because the crucifixion of Jesus, there, there's a lot of things that people don't know about the Christian faith. But one thing just about everybody knows is that Christians believe that their God was crucified. And as a result, it's, it's not a secret. It's, a, it's, it's well known by many. But when you sit and you start to talk to people about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, as you're in that conversation, I have found anyway that a lot of times they stop you in the middle and they say, whoa, 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 whoa wait a second. Why did your God have to die? What is that all about? And so this is a big question. I was talking to one guy, and, and he stopped for a minute as we were talking, and he said, okay, wait a second. Let me, just, let me just say something to you because I'm really struggling with what you're talking about. He says, he said this kind of like this. He says, why would God, as a father, send his son, Jesus, to die for our sins? And I went, well, where... Where are you struggling there? He says, okay, listen to me, Chris. In, in a world today, in this world that I live in, nobody can be guilty for anybody else. We all have to pay the penalty for our sins. How many of you know that when he said that, I was like, springboard, here we go. Another guy I was talking to uh, said this. He says, well, I don't even believe that, that Jesus is God, but if he was God, then why would his dying on the cross be so significant? How does that save anyone from sin? Two really important conversations that I had with people, and I was able to walk with them and and converse with them and bring them to the point where at least they had an understanding of why Jesus died. And so if you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I want to just uh, look verses 1 through 4, read these together, make a few observations, and then just talk about this because this is so, so important for us to be able to deal with. Moreover, brethren, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the Corinthian believers, he says, I declare to you the gospel. So let's stop right there. When, when we're talking about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're talking about the gospel. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you also received. Okay, let's stop right there. You have to, I have to, receive the gospel. It's not just good enough to listen to it. And there are many people, even some people in the church today, who Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, they hear the gospel, but they don't receive the gospel. Because when you receive the gospel, you have to receive everything that the Word of God says concerning why Jesus had to die for your sins. 
And Paul said, I came to you and I gave you the gospel. I preached the gospel to you and you received it. What a beautiful picture that is. And then he says, and then in which you stand. So let's just stop there. Verse 1. How many of you know I'm never going to get through my notes this week? Okay. So verse, no, I want to walk you through this scripture because it's so, so powerful. He says, okay, so here's, here's my focus for you. He's saying to the Corinthians, he says, I declared the gospel to you. I preached the gospel. So here's the first thing I want to say to us as believers. It's not enough for us just to know the gospel. We each and every one of us have a responsibility to proclaim the gospel. Now touch your neighbor and say, you know he's right. And Paul says, when I preached it to you, something happened. And as you listened, you received what I had to say. You received the gospel is truth. And then, now this is so, so important for us to hear. He says, now, now that you've received it, you stand in it. Now, why is this so important? It's so important because at the end of the age, listen to me. I'm speaking to the church right now. At the end of the age, there's going to come false teachings and false prophets and false messages. And one of the things that we have to begin to understand is if, that we, are, if we are not rooted and grounded in the truth of the gospel, then we can be easily persuaded by messages that want to take us away from that truth. Because it seems as a truth to be a really horrifying story. That a man would die on a cross for my sins. It seems brutal. It seems harsh. It seems almost overwhelming. And yet Paul said to the Corinthians, he says, not only did you receive the truth of the message because you understood it, but now you stand in that truth. Wow. Okay, verse 1. By which you are also saved. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. If, everybody say if, notice how this is conditional now. He says, you stand in it and you're saved in it if you hold fast that word which I preach to you unless you believe in vain. Verses 3 and 4. For I delivered you first of all that which I also received. Or in the translation that I put up on the the, uh, the overhead, for I delivered to you as of, can you read the next two words? First importance. Paul says, when I came, I didn't get lost or locked into all of these theological debates on goodness. And, no, no, no. I brought the gospel to you because it is of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried and that He rose again on the third day according again to the Scriptures. When I've talked to people, they've said, Well, Chris, I, I hear what you're saying and I, I understand your conviction, but, but couldn't God have found another way? Couldn't, couldn't He have found an easier way? 
better method than actually someone dying on a cross. Folks, we have to be careful because there has been a westernization of the gospel. And it doesn't look anything like what we read in the scriptures. See, there's this message, a Christian message, that has been prevalent within the Western culture that basically says Jesus came to make a better life for you. So if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then, then life will go better for you. Now, now understand, I'm living life with Jesus is the best way to live your life, but you cannot detour around the cross. And you cannot detour around the death of Jesus just to have a better life. Yet some in the church, particularly Western churches, are preaching a gospel that, that kind of wants to sidestep the whole idea of death and blood and gore and, and just say, Jesus loves you. He wants to make your life better. Or there's the other side that, that says Jesus has come to make you feel better about yourself. And when I hear that, I, I just kind of cringe inside because I think about who I was and I think to myself, I don't, I don't want to feel better about that guy. I want to be a new creation. I want to be someone who knew, knew that he was dead in sin but now alive to God in Christ Jesus. I don't, I don't want to, I just don't want a better version of Chris Wood. I want to put Chris Wood to death. I know that sounds weird, but I want to be the son of God that God intended for me to be, and that is a transformational thing that happens in the human heart only when you surrender to the truth of what God has done for you. A number of years ago, amongst denominational churches, there was a movement to remove from hymnals any mention of the blood of Jesus. I'm serious. And the reason why, and I was, I was talking to, and I'm not going to mention the denominations, but I was talking to one pastor, and he was telling me about this. And of course, his heart was, uh, uh, he, he's like, I'm not sure I'm in for this. But the denominational office is saying, this is what we need to remove the old hymnals and put in the new hymnals, and the new hymnals remove blood out of it because it's just too gory, and it, it's, it just makes people cringe at the thought. And, 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 and so, so that was this, this movement, and, and, um, and I just was kind of amazed. When we're talking about the gospel and we're talking about what Jesus did for us and the very fact that he died. We need to understand a couple of things. And this is what I try to do when I talk to people. I begin by saying, okay, I, I understand that you are having a problem wrapping your head around what I'm telling you. 
And I remind them, and, and I say, you know, it says in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, that God's thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. And his ways are, are so far beyond our ways. In fact, it says it this way. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So, so I try to help them begin to look at this from the vantage point of what God is accomplishing through the work of redemption. And secondly, I take them and, and I walk them through various scriptures, but one of my favorite is Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, where it says, He is the rock, His works are perfect, and all of His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is He. And so I talk to them about the plan of salvation, which includes the crucifixion of Jesus, the death of Jesus, as designed by a God who is perfect, just, and upright. And the Bible explains to us why Jesus' death and resurrection provide for us the perfect entrance into a relationship with God and an eternity in heaven. So it's, it's just powerful. But, but in culture today, today's culture is just weird. I thought it was bad in the 60s and 70s. It's worse now. Now, see, I have a lot of repenting to do because I was on the, on, on the tip of the spear in the 60s and the 70s until Jesus got a hold of me. But today's culture, in light of the message of the cross, just wants to shrug it off because they don't like the reasons that the Bible states when they ask the question, why did Jesus have to die? And so you say, well, Chris, where do you start the conversation? Here's where I start the conversation. When people say, well, Chris, I hear what you say. I, I see that you believe it. And, and you stand in it, and, and uh, you know, some of my, my old friends look at my life, and they say, well, something happened to you because your life has become so different than how I remember you, and so, so something has transformed your life. And, and, and so they say, where do you start? And I say, well, I start with this premise. Jesus died because of sin. See how quiet it gets when you start talking about sin? Jesus died because of sin. That's where you start. That's where the Bible starts. And yet we live in a culture that wants to shrug sin off. Just wants to put it, you know, it's not that bad. It's like Bob was saying, that they're calling what is right wrong and what is wrong right. And just shrugging it off and saying, listen, everybody has a right to live the way they want to live. Well, that's a partial truth. We all have a choice. We talked about that earlier in this sermon series. We all had a choice. But nobody has a right to live in sin. And I'm going to show you that this morning. So let's talk about sin. Amen? Because I had one guy say to me, well, Chris... What's so bad about sin? 
And the Bible even says that, that sin is pleasurable because it pleases the flesh. And so I said, okay, well, let's talk about this. Well, here's what the Bible says about sin. There are two concepts that you'll find in not only in Hebrew writing but in Greek writing to describe what sin is. You'll see it up there on the screen. Sin means either transgress, that means to step across or to go beyond a set boundary or limit, or it means to miss the mark, going in one direction and then straying off course. Now, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says this. Whoever commits sin, now leave that up there, whoever transgresses or misses the mark commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. So the Bible's answer to what is sin is this. Sin, now watch this because some of you are going to cringe a little bit in regards to what I have to say to you, but I say it to you pastorally. That means there's a measure of love. Sin, according to the Bible now, not, this is not Chris Wood's definition. Sin is any action, any feeling, any thought that goes against God's standard. Sin is breaking the law of God. James chapter 4 verse 17 says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. How many of you ever been pulled over by a police officer because you were speeding? How many of you ever tried to get out of that ticket by saying, I just didn't know? How'd that go for you? Didn't work, did it? See, not knowing or omission is no cause when it comes to the law. And what the Bible teaches is that every human being has broken the law of God. That means, according to Paul, all have sinned. Anybody getting uncomfortable at all? I'm walking you towards something, because at the end of this you're going to say, Hallelujah. Now, when I'm talking to somebody, they'll say, well, you know, I, okay, I hear you, and you, you make a compelling argument there, Chris, but, but are there any consequences to sin? And I typically say, yeah, there's a couple. There's just, just a couple. And they go, Whew. And so they say, well, what are they, Chris? I said, okay, the first one is this, that sin separates you from God. Isaiah 59, verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. See, I've had people say, well, I've prayed to him and he doesn't seem to be answering me. And I'm like, dude, 
If you are in iniquity, if you are in sin, if you're living your life that way, in total, outright rebellion to God, not only are you separated from God, but when you open your mouth, and this is going to freak some of you out, the Bible says He doesn't even hear you. There are people in the church, and James confirms this. He says, some of you men, your prayers prayers are hindered because of the way you behave. Just got quiet again. Why did Jesus have to die? To bring you back to God. Because your sins separated you from Him. I said there were two penalties that I see. These are enough for me. You could say, well, I think there's more, Chris. Well, okay, have that argument. But these two are enough for me. Number one, I don't want to be separated from God. And Paul says the penalty of sin is death. I had one guy say to me, hey, look, we're all going to die anyway. So why not sin? Have fun while you're going. And I said, yeah, but the sin that Paul is talking about is not the end of your biological life. The sin that Paul is talking about and the death that he is talking about as an eternal separation from God in a place called the lake of fire. And I don't know about you, but I have friends And I don't want their end to be the lake of fire. But as Christians, if we're not living our lives in the pursuit of a holy God, and we think that we can get away with anything just because of the grace of God, and we are not recognizing the consequences of sin, And living our lives unto Jesus and allowing the fullness of his death and resurrection to help us conduct our lives, then we're doing nothing more than living a lie. These are serious moments. And if we really believe in what Paul is saying, Paul is saying it was preached to you, you received it, but now you're standing in it. That means... That when I have opportunity to sin, am I weighing that opportunity in light of the cross? Have I allowed the full effect of Christ's work to have its way in my life? See, some of us say, well, you know what, Chris, I'm just, I'm trying to work it off. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm working out the debt. I'm just, you know, I, I'm just trying to live a better life. I'm just trying to be better, but I stumble and I fall. And listen, there, there is great grace. I, I've stumbled. I've fallen myself. And I'm just being truthful with you all right here. But the issue that the Bible is talking about is, is an issue within the Christian church. And now we have to speak a message outside of the church. But for us who are believers... We have an advocate with Jesus Christ so that when we do sin, 
We feel awful about it. And all we want to do is run to the king and say, Father, I, forgive me. I've, I've done it again. How many of you have ever done that? God, I, I've done it again. I said it again. I went too far. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 20 and 21 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though he were pleading through us. See, the, the message needed, needs to come through us now. Are you tracking with me? He says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Did I just turn a corner for some of you? Are you starting to get a little happy now with me? See, Good Friday, we're going we're gonna to celebrate, in a sense, the acknowledgement of the death of the Son of God for the sin of the whole world. That's what Good Friday is all about. It's a sober celebration. And the cross is the, the representation of the biggest event ever in history. The time that God set all mankind free from the power of sin. And, and that's the thing I want you to hear. And that's where I've been trying to lead us. That Jesus died not only for the forgiveness of sin, but also to break sin's power off of us. So yes, it's for your forgiveness, but it's also for your freedom. And now we have a, a responsibility to live free in God. So when people say to me, Chris, why did Christ, why did Jesus have to die? This is what I say to them, and I'm almost done. You're holding your breath. I know you are. He had to die because there was no other sacrifice for my sins that was sufficient. There was no other payment that could be made, but by the sinless Son of God. Because when you understand God and you understand His nature, you understand that, yes, He is a just, holy God, and He cannot let sin go without there being punishment. And every other sacrifice that men make, none compares to the sacrifice and the sufficiency of the sacrifice that is found in Christ Jesus. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many. Number two, it's in God's nature to be just. You say, well, why did he have to do it that way? Why was the penalty so stiff? Why did there need to be justice? Well, let me ask it this way to you. If someone breaks the law, say they commit genocide, should we just look the other way? Uh, you know, all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. There is typically a penalty that needs to be paid. And the Bible is very, very clear. 
that there was a penalty that needed to be paid, but there was only one who was righteous. There was only one who was holy enough. There was only one who was sinless, and his name is Jesus Christ. And when he took your sin and my sin upon the cross, it was so that he might atone for your sin and make you righteous unto God. And that's the good news right there. Why did Jesus have to sin? To show you and to show me just how much he loves us. Because you were created to be in relationship with God. You were created to be with him. You were created to be in fellowship with God. But sin broke the fellowship. And you got to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. That's where it broke. But God says, I have a remedy. And if you read your Bible, you will see that when the thing initially broke, God prophesied the coming of the Son of God. And he said, I will send you a Savior. And he will be perfect. And he will redeem you back to myself. And that's the message of the gospel. We broke it and God fixed it. Why? Because he loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, come on, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, when you talk to somebody, don't be afraid to say, listen, my friend, if you stay in sin and you stay separated from God, there is a punishment at the end of the age that you will face. And oh, I do not want you to face that punishment because my Bible tells me that the punishment is an eternal separation from God in a lake of fire. To that, people say, oh, the hell and brimstone thing, Chris. Come on, back off. I will never back off from that. Because, listen, I'm not, listen, if I have to scare you into heaven, I'll scare you into heaven. But I would rather introduce you to the one who paid it all so that you could have a relationship with him. And be eternally secure in that relationship. Why did Jesus have to die? To put on display the value of humility. He humbled himself the way of the cross. Paul says it this way, Have this mind be among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, he humbled himself, and he took on the form of a servant being born in the likeness of man. Now, here's the beauty of God's perfect plan. God himself not only declared the punishment for sin, but provided the answer. And the answer is found in the atoning work of his son, Jesus Christ. To atone means to reconcile. To atone means to bring back together. To atone means to restore. When I talk to people 
who have the question, why did Jesus have to die? I point them to the scriptures and I assure them that God wants to be in relationship with them. But their sin separates them from God. And if they stay in their sin, they will die in their sin. And that's just not a physical death. That's an eternal death. And I remind them that it was prophesied that God would send his one and only son, born of a virgin Mary, that that man would suffer and he would die for the sins of all mankind, that he would be raised on the third day. When John saw him, when John the Baptist saw him, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Crowds gathered for healing. God, crowds gathered to hear his teaching. But the religious leaders scorned him. In fact, those who were enthralled by his healings and enthralled by his teachings, they were so convinced because of the religious leaders scorning that they were the ones who actually said, crucify him. Soldiers beat him. Soldiers mocked him. Soldiers crucified him. And all of it was foretold. All of it was prophesied. Read the book of Isaiah. He died between two criminals. He was buried in a rich man's tomb. But he didn't stay in the grave, did he? He was the Lamb of God sacrificed for your sins and for my sins. He fulfilled every prophecy that was spoken about him. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. And the Bible says he is an ascended king who sits in heaven. And one day, he is returning to judge the living and the dead. What side of judgment will you find yourself? Why did Jesus have to die? For the righteous or the unrighteous? Why? To bring you and to bring me back to God. Forgiveness of sins, yes. Freedom from sin, yes. Freedom from the power of sin, Yes. You all know my story. When I was impacted with the gospel message, and God spoke to me, and I'll say this over and over because you need to hear this from me. God said to me and to Joan simultaneously but individually, I will not contend with you forever. When we surrendered our lives to Christ, scared me to death that God would talk to me that way. And that was the first time I had ever heard his voice. Up until that, I had read the Bible, and I had been a good boy, and I had gone to catechism, and I knew all the answers. You only really need one answer in catechism class, Jesus, and that's enough. But I was confronted with the fact that I was a sinner who needed to be saved. 
And when Joan and I committed our hearts to Christ, you all know my story. We did it understanding that we were addicts and we were slaves to our addictions. But to test the gospel message, we said, God, if you are really real and this message is really real, we are ridding ourselves of all of our narcotics and all of our alcohol and we don't ever want to experience, now I'm making a deal with God, ever experience withdrawal. I don't ever want to encounter it, God. If you're real, if you really free me from the power of sin, would you do that for me? That evening, Joan and I flushed it all down the toilet. Hundreds of dollars of stuff that we were using. I don't say that to glorify anything within my story, except to say, I stand before you now, well, 40 years after, never having experienced a withdrawal. And it was from that moment on that I knew that God was real, that he was powerful enough to not only forgive me of my sin, but to free me from the power of that sin. Because he is the only one who could take sin upon himself, the perfect son of God, the perfect lamb of God, and redeem us back to God so that we might have relationship with him for eternity. Amen? So worship team, would you come? And I want to just offer this opportunity for anybody here today who has never heard why Jesus had to die. And maybe you're sitting there today and saying, boy, I didn't know it was that serious. I didn't know my life of sin was that serious. And that it required the death of an innocent one so that I might go free. I didn't realize it was that serious. Listen, it's that serious. And God has made a way. If you're here today and you need to surrender your life to Christ, can I just make an appeal to you Don't put it off. Don't say, well, I'm going to think about it. Don't say, well, there might be a better day. Don't say, I'm going to test this because I'm not quite sure what I'm doing is sin. If you're breaking the law of God, it's sin. Well, I'm a Christian. It's sin. I was raised in the church. It's sin. Am I separated from God? Watch now. Yes. Well, Chris, I don't think you can say that. I didn't. The Bible did. How many of you as believers, don't raise your hand, please, have walked in sin and realized that your prayer life was affected? I'm just trying to be real with you. You're saying, well, what? I, I, I just... I've lost touch. Someone will come in my office and say, I just have lost touch with God. I just don't feel like, and and I'm like, okay, tell me what's going on in your life. Well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I'm like, you do understand that sin. Well, yeah, but it's not that bad. Well, yeah, you're not murdering anybody, but it's sin. Well, yeah, but Chris, doesn't he love me? Yes, that's why he died for you. 
so that you would not play with sin because he not only forgives you of your sin, but he sets you free from the power of sin. Amen. And we are living in an hour where church, we've got to get this one right. Because when you're free, man, you can tell people about Jesus and you have no regrets. Because you know that there's no backstory. Are you tracking with me? Would you stand to your feet, please? Join me if you can. Who needs to get their life right with God today? Come on, come to the front. I'm not going to give any kind of fancy altar call, but you've got to get this right. You can't, you can't keep on coming to church Sunday after Sunday, and then on Monday you're just living another way and saying, yeah, but he loves me. He cares about me. got to get this right. I got to get this right. Everybody. Why did Jesus have to die so that we could have relationship with him? Thank you. Anybody else? Man, I just, I felt in preparing this message that we have, we have people in the church today that are playing with this issue of sin. And they're just too embarrassed to admit it. Chris, I, Jesus received me a long time ago. I know I'm his. I'm no, I know I'm his child. I just, I just struggle in this particular area of my life. Listen, I say this with grace and love. You're not struggling. You're sinning. Don't live your life that way. Get right with God today. Get right with Him and just ask Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. And surrender anew if you have to. Repent if you have to. We've got to get this right, folks. Because you have been called as a believer and I have been called to then declare this message to the lost. Right? To be His ambassador best way I know to be an ambassador is to have it right with the king before I go out to speak to him. Everybody okay? Anybody else need to come? Come on. We serve a holy God. And he is not going to deal or he is not going to smile upon unholiness in the church. We've got to pursue holiness, not in a legalistic way, not in some legalistic way, but we want to be holy because He's holy. We want, to, we want to love because He is a God of love. And listen, God wants to do something deep in our hearts. Like, thank you, guys. It's time to get serious with this stuff, right? Right? We serve a holy God. Don't leave today saying, I should have gone forward and I wish my neighbor had gone forward because if my neighbor had gone forward, I would have gone forward. Listen, it's not about your neighbor. It's about you. I'm so glad Joan went forward with me because I would have been too chicken to go forward. But we went together. Listen, there are some couples here right now going to get in your business. 
God wants to sanctify your marriage. He wants to make your marriage holy. But you're giving yourselves to things under the excuse, under the banner that, well, we're married. Listen, you're still called to be holy. You're still called to live righteously. If you want God to touch your marriage today, just raise your hand right where you are. Just say, God, move in my marriage. Do something in my marriage. Something great in my marriage. Come and, and move in. Come on, there's people. I need somebody. Uh, Eileen in the balcony. We've got people. I need people praying in the balcony. I need people praying down here on the floor. Any of you who feel a release to pray for people today, listen, God is doing a deep work. We want to deal with sin in the church. We don't want it to stay. We want it out because Jesus died that we might be free. Amen. And I know I'm belaboring this, but this is so, so important. Now, if there's a couple near you and they've raised their hands, they're just wanting to get it right. Don't judge them. Just lay your hands on them. Pray for them and say, God, sanctify their marriage. Make it yours. This is not a moment to judge other people. Because you know the minute that you judge somebody for being up here, you know what you've done? You've sinned. So you might as well get up here yourself. Just being real with you. Let's pray. Father, we come into your house. This is your house. This is where your presence dwells. These are your people, and you call them the temple of God, where you reside. And you have said that we are to be holy as you are holy. With this reminder this morning that Jesus, you died not only for the forgiveness of our sins, but for the freedom that we could have from the power of sin. You died. Spotless Lamb of God. The pure Lamb of God. The Holy Lamb of God. So that we might be free. Lord, we pray with and for every person that is standing here and in the balcony who's raised their hands and the couples that have lifted their hands and saying we want our marriage to be different. We want to sanctify our relationship before the Lord. We're asking, I'm asking God for your grace to visit each and every one right now. Come Holy Spirit. Move in this place. Sanctify. Redeem. Reconcile those who are responding to you. You atone for their sin. By faith now they are stepping into that atonement that they might be reconciled back to you. Any of you who are watching on the live stream, please let us know that you've responded to this message. However you've responded, God loves you and he is for you. Amen. So Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do in the human heart. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We hope this message has encouraged and challenged you in your walk with God today. Again, this podcast is a resource of Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York. If you'd like to learn more about us, find us at our website at zionfellowship.net. 
or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, feel free to give us a call at 585-394-7450. Blessings to you as you continue in your day.